plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of Locked On Giants. I am your host, Art Stapleton. But wait a minute, it's a crossover episode. Locked On Cowboys, and joining me is Drew Davison from the Star-Telegram. Drew, week one, we're getting ready. We'll be heading out to Jerry's World on the weekend. I know you guys will be waiting. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Art. It's always great to do these, especially a crossover episode. And and uh, the Giants have become a familiar matchup for the Cowboys here in the season opener, so it should be a good one. It's always an entertaining game. You know, it's funny. that There was a time where the Giants felt as though they owned Jerry's World out there in Arlington. Eli Manning with his signature on the wall, uh, the, the win uh, on their way in 2007 to the, to the Super Bowl. And, you know, things have kind of changed for the Giants uh, in – in Dallas against the Cowboys. You know, the Cowboys have kind of had their number with Tony Romo with three comeback victories the last two years. He's just ripped their hearts out. But I know we won't see Romo. So first things first, for the, for the Giants fans, I'm sure people want to know what is going on with Dak Prescott and are we to believe what we've seen in the preseason? I think Dak Prescott has certainly held his own. He's he's looked like the best rookie quarterback. And granted, it is the preseason. Everyone knows it's a more vanilla defense Dak is going against. But the numbers don't lie. He does carry himself with a good poise. He, the, the stage doesn't seem to be too big for him. You know, he's not rattled. And I think if you just look at him, uh, you, you know, this is a guy who put Mississippi State on the radar. Uh, in the SEC, and, and he's certainly transitioned that into the NFL. The Cowboys wanted to trade back into the first round for Paxton Lynch, uh, but, you know, they ended up with Dak Prescott, and I think it's it's been a blessing in disguise. I mean, Jerry Jones feels like, you know, they could have hit a home run with Dak Prescott, and, and you know, he the great thing with Dak Prescott as opposed to other rookie quarterbacks, he's not really looked at coming in to be a savior. Uh, you know, the Cowboys have a solid offensive line, arguably the best in the league. They got Ezekiel Elliott, and they've got some good weapons in, in Des Bryant and Jason Witt. So the pieces are surrounding Dak Prescott where he shouldn't feel too much pressure to go out and do things. Uh, kind of with that being said, though, I, you know, speaking of quarterbacks, I know a lot of Cowboys fans are interested to see how Eli does this season with a new coach. Uh, and how has he looked so far in training camp? He's been very steady. You know, Ben McAdoo, the new head coach, called him Steady Eddie a couple weeks ago. You know, this is the second fewest passes that Eli Manning has attempted in a preseason, uh, which is quite remarkable. You know, he's a guy who wants to go out there and play. He only played in two of the four preseason games. I think the Giants are just trying to be smart. Anyone who's followed the Giants knows they've been snake-bitten by injuries each of the last three years. 
uh, and not that they're going to cry uh, in, <laughs> cry into their into their milk over losing, you know, what you guys lost the, as far as Tony Romo goes. But the Giants across the, the board have been the most injured team the last three years. You know, Eli at 35 just seems to be smarter, seems to be stronger. Uh, I don't know if he's ever been this healthy. Uh, and part of the reason why last year left such a bad taste in the Giants' mouth is that I think the perception of Eli Manning was made in week one down there in Dallas and the idea of you know telling Rashad Jennings not to score, uh, throwing away the third down pass play uh, out of the end zone that stopped the clock rather than taking a sack. You know, overall, minus the 6-10, and 10, Eli Manning had 35 touchdowns and 14 interceptions, and for him... That was about as good of a season as he's had regular season uh, statistically. So Eli is looking uh, as well as he has, I think. Uh, and obviously Odell Beckham Jr. is uh, his number one target. You guys will get to see Victor Cruz this weekend. Uh, first regular season game in 700 days, which is staggering. Uh, and I think the big question is, as much as when you look at the Cowboys and their offensive line and how good it is, I think the questions will remain about the Giants' offensive line and the fact that it is coming back intact uh, off of a relatively shaky season for them. Uh, the question for the Giants will always be, well, did, did they do enough offensively up front? Yeah, well, and that's one area where the Cowboys still feel like you know, that they can win games without Tony Romo's. They can still pound the ball, eat the clock, win the time of possession, the field position type game. When you got three pro bowlers up front, you know, you, you should be able to dictate it. And, you know, that was a big reason they drafted Ezekiel Elliott as well, is, you know, that they, they want to get back to that 2014 formula of pounding the ball like they did with DeMarco Murray. And, and you know, expect Ezekiel Elliott to, uh, you know, cut, get his fair share of carries, and, and, you know, kind of going off that first uh, topic on Dak Prescott, the reason the Cowboys used, you know, a top five pick on Ezekiel Elliott, the fourth overall pick, was because they felt, you know, this guy helps a situation like they're in now, where Tony Romo goes down, they're forced to go with a young quarterback, Elliott, you know, he's a guy you can hand the ball off to 20, 25 times, he's going to pick up you know, he's great in pass protection. He's also an option out of the backfield. And, you know, he's got the home run threat every time the ball is in his hand. So uh, so they feel like he just adds a dimension that they missed uh, sorely last year. Yeah, and Elliott is one of those players. I mean, the, there were Giants fans who were were falling in love with the flirtation of the idea of, oh, boy, if, if Zeke falls to 10, would the Giants take them? Would they add to the mix? You know, the Giants had a crowded backfield to begin with, and they still do with Rashad Jennings and Shane Vereen. Uh, they took a rookie, Paul Perkins, in the fifth round. Also, Orleans Darquois and Bobby Rainey is still there. I mean, the Giants waived Andre Williams, a fourth-round pick from two years ago. He ended up in San Diego. But there was that flirtation, that idea that if Zeke was the best player on the board – would the Giants draft Zeke? So I think there are a lot of Giants fans who are very familiar, especially fantasy football fans who, who want to see what Zeke does. 
But I do believe that because of what the Cowboys were able to do two years ago, and then even last year to an extent, that's where the Giants decided that on their defensive front that they needed to rebuild. And they threw $200 million at their defense. Uh, The two big players, obviously, that'll be there on Sunday that uh, Cowboys fans will want to watch for is obviously Olivier Vernon, and I know we'll get to him in a little bit. But the rush defense is, is far better, or at least looks far better this year than it has in the past uh, with Damon Snacks Harrison at defensive tackle. Uh, he and Jonathan Hankins ha- have been a load up front. Uh, they've done very well in collapsing the pocket and really taking away uh, the interior run game uh, of the opposition. And I think that is a place where the Giants have just been gashed the last couple of years. So uh, those two guys, I know I know we were going to talk about Vernon a little bit, uh, but when you mentioned Zeke, I think Giants fans have nightmares about not only their run defense up front, but the idea of allowing a guy like Ezekiel Elliott into the open field because speed at linebacker has been an issue for the Giants. So if Elliott can get into that second level, I think that's kind of where the Giants fans will hold their breath. Uh, and hope that uh, they have someone who can track him down in space. Yeah, well, and the thing, you know, Ezekiel only played uh, 16, 17 snaps in the preseason, and he played one game, the dress rehearsal at Seattle, which is, uh, of course, where Tony Romo went down. So, you know, he, he's been battling a hamstring, you know, missed two weeks of camp with a hamstring uh, tightness. So, uh the Cowboys haven't seen that much game action of him this preseason, but, you know, his limited snaps in that dress rehearsal a couple weeks ago at Seattle, he certainly looked the part. Uh, he, he had an average seven, eight yards of carry, uh, and he did flash the speed. If, if he, he lowered his shoulder, you know, he wasn't afraid to, you know, lower his shoulder and go after Cam Chancellor. So yeah. uh, the, the, the Giants should expect a very physical back in uh, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, to open the season on Sunday. And it's kind of funny when you mention the Giants keeping all those running backs. I mean, the Cowboys have six running backs right now, uh, or excuse me, four running backs and two fullbacks. They're right now on their 53-man roster have two fullbacks. Wow. And Giants don't have what the Giants don't have one fullback on their roster right now. So it's interesting. Right. Yeah, so, so the, the Cowboys, you know, they, they signed Alfred Moore all offseason. It kind of looked like, hey, you know, that they're going to roll with Darren McFadden, who quietly had the fourth most in rushing yards in the NFL last season, uh, as well as Alfred Moore as the free agent signing. Uh, but then, of course, they make the big splash in the draft and get Elliott. And uh, Alfred Morris has looked like a good complimentary back. And then they bring back, I'm sure, a guy – Giants fans may ring a bell. Lance Dunbar, kind of the Cowboys change of pace back. Yep. Uh, he, he's coming back from an injury, and they drafted a rookie, Darius Jackson. All four of them, or excuse me, Darren McFadden is, is out with an elbow injury, but uh, but they got those three running backs, and then the two fullbacks, Keith Smith and Rod Smith, uh, to, to go along with them. So uh, the, the Cowboys certainly aren't short on running backs, and it's pretty clear what their philosophy is going to be at least in the early part of the season here's a question for you when you go off of what the Giants were unable to do last year especially on the final two drives 
against the Cowboys. You mentioned Jason Witten earlier, obviously future Hall of Famer. The, uh, I think the Giants, anyone who's played defense for the Giants uh, in Witten's career has nightmares about what Witten can and can't do over the, fe- over the middle of the field. Uh, I'm curious, and, and this is just completely blind, but I, I, I assume Gavin Escobar is still on the roster, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> you know. Yes, somehow made it, yes. You know, but... Yeah, but no, I mean, I mean it, it, it's one of those things that's, that, you know, and, you know, this is certainly, you know, speaks to Jason Wynn, who joined the Thousand Catch Club last season, and, you know, his credentials speak for themselves. But, you know, it's very hard for a secondary tight end to kind of develop in the Cowboys system when Wynn is playing... You know, so many downs in this such a prominent role, and, and rightfully so. I mean, just, just look at Martellus Bennett. You know, right. he, he didn't really prosper until he left the Cowboys. So for the uh, Giants, right? I mean, that that was kind of funny. You know, the the Giants. It's as if the Giants developed Martellus Bennett for everyone else before he after he left the Cowboys. Kind of that in in disgust. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and, you know, in Marty B, there's a long article about the Bennett brothers on ESPN.com, you know, earlier this offseason, and, and Marty B says, you know, it, it was just a quote, not really any context, and it said, quote, I hate Jason Witt, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, it clearly wasn't from a, like, off-field standpoint, I mean, you know, no, Jason Witt's all-around good guy, great to deal with good in the community, but it, there is some truth to the fact that it, it is hard for, you know, got young tight ends to come into the Cowboys and develop behind Jason Witten, and as the Giants saw, uh, Marty B, uh, you know, can, can be a more potent threat than he was with the Cowboys, and, and that's the same with Gavin Escobar. I think, you know, he could get an opportunity somewhere else and, and you know, kind of flourish. I, I don't think he's, you know, going to be Rob Gronkowski or anyone like that, but you know, if he gets a little more looks, you know, he, he certainly could be better off. But you know, the reason I mentioned with Jason Witten, you know, he ain't going anywhere. Yeah, the, no. The reason I mentioned Escobar is because uh, I guess it was two years ago when Escobar uh, just—it was as if he was wide open in the end zone anytime Tony Romo looked his way against the Giants, just because they had so much difficulty covering tight ends. You know, a lot of people were surprised that the Giants kept seven linebackers. A lot of them are core special teamers, but they've really tried to revamp uh, their linebacking core to kind of fit with today's game. Uh, they have not, you know, been able to adjust and cover, uh, whether it's safeties. Last year, Landon Collins had a nightmare uh, of a game against the Cowboys, uh, just Romo checking out of plays and uh, Collins not adjusting to when Awani Unga, a 27-year-old uh, rookie last year from BYU was the one who got caught uh, trying to cover Witten uh, on game-changing plays and then the, the ultimate, the touchdown, to win the game with seven seconds left. The reason I mentioned Escobar is it's almost like if he doesn't play in the Giants, he's not really doing much. So it's one of those, it's one of those things where, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sure the Giants will be looking forward to not seeing Jason Witten when he decides to kind of take his long walk away from Dallas and uh, and wait his enshrinement in Canton. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it is a uh, interesting dynamic with Witten and just how much you know 
all the highlight real plays tend to come against division opponents. You, you mentioned obviously the Giants. Uh, you, you know the the helmetless catch where the helmet flies off and he keeps going, happening against the Eagles. So he certainly uh, has made a name for himself going up against the division guys. But I was also, you know, kind of to go to another playmaker on the Cowboys who I'm, I'm sure a lot of fans are interested to see how he fares. And, of course, the Giants have their own stud receiver. But uh, Des Bryant is coming back, you know, from a foot surgery. He obviously played in that season opener last year against the Giants. Uh, was not a factor in the second game in New York. But, uh uh, yeah. you, you know, they expect Des Bryant to kind of become and get back into uh, the, the top-tier wide receiver uh, discussion. You know, I, I think he's, you know, he this is a guy who gets fueled by anything. You know, he's he's not happy that Vegas has nine other receivers ahead of him to finish, you know, with the most receiving yards in the league. He's not happy about his Madden rating. But he has looked very good, and I think for the Giants, you know, and their fans, they should expect to see kind of the Des Bryant of old. And I'm sure, you know, Cowboys fans should expect the same out of Odell Beckham. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. With Des and Odell, there's that mutual respect uh, between the two of them. Two years ago when Odell was a rookie, you know, Des made sure to go up to him after the game and, and talk to him about, you know, how he believed in him. And they talked about how they were going to uh, train in the off season. Uh, after his rookie season, uh, which I believe they did at certain certain times. Then last year, obviously, uh, Dez got hurt in that season opener. You know, the the Giants coughed up the 10-point lead without Dez on the field. You know, Dez left with that foot injury. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why, and it'll be very interesting to see the matchup for the Giants with the three corners against Dez, and the three corners, obviously, Dominique rogers Cromarty has his history in being able to, to match up with Dez. He's got the size and the length and the speed. Uh, but two newcomers, one, Janoris Jenkins. Giants paid good money to get Janoris Jenkins from the Rams. He will be on the other, other side of DRC. And then rookie Eli Apple from Ohio State, 10th overall pick. Uh, when the Giants uh, match up against three wides, I think you're going to end up seeing DRC move into the slot and have Apple on the boundary uh, with Jenkins on the other side. So it'll be interesting to see a, a chess match to see where the Giants uh, match up with Dez if, if all of a sudden Dez is moving around from left to right to in the slot, which I know they've done in the past uh, a couple years ago when, when Romo led the, the comeback at MetLife Stadium. Uh, they moved Dez into the slot and just torched Antrell Roll, uh, who had to play the nickel spot on that final drive. So it, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any way that the Giants will take the field not trying to find number eighty-eight the moment the offense breaks the huddle. Yeah, well, and you you kind of hit on something that the Cowboys. Like you said, Dez has been used in the slot, particularly against the Giants, and they worked him a lot in the slot in training camp. Or not a lot, a lot, but you know more time, more often than uh, they had in the past. So I, I expect Dez to line up in the slot uh, a few more times than he has, and you know that should create some more mismatches. And of course, uh, you know 
Dak and uh, Dez have hooked up, you know, uh, for some deep passes, and Dak's not afraid to air it out down to Dez. So, uh, so I definitely think they're going to try and open up the passing game, and, and they're kind of banking on, you know, the run, establish the running game in order to get that passing game. So it, it will be a chess match. I expect Dez to move around uh, multiple times, and, and he should line up in the slot quite a bit. The question I had for you, uh, and going back to the Giants' offensive line, is that last year when the Giants were going up against Dallas, there was talk, you know, especially the second game, you know, it was Randy Gregory, and it was, uh, you know, can uh, Greg Hardy make a difference? Now, when you look at the Cowboys' front seven, Obviously, the linebackers are talented, and Sean Lee ha- has created nightmares when he's been on the field against against the Giants. Do the ca- do you feel the Cowboys have enough of a pass rush to be able to put pressure, especially on the edge? Because where the Giants are vulnerable uh, are at left tackle and right tackle with Eric Flowers and Marshall Newhouse. I'm just curious from your perspective, what are the what are the what do the Cowboys have right now? Uh, to be able to create some pressure on the edge? Well, they have uh, Benton Mayowa and Jack Crawford. I'm sure that scares a lot of Giants fans right now. <laughs> but, uh, the, the Cowboys are banking on, you know, so, some no-name guys to, to kind of step up and thrive. And, and to be honest, our, I think the Cowboys are looking mostly, uh, you know, to the inside to get some pressure. They are going to look to Tyrone Crawford. He signed a big deal a couple years ago, and they really felt you know, he was suited well for the three-technique battle. Some shoulder injuries last year was not very effective. If Terrell McClain can stay healthy, you know, he's, they're, they're one-tech. You know, they, they can you know, maybe get some pressure up the middle. But until week five, until Demarcus Lawrence comes back, the Cowboys uh, do not have a proven pass rusher I mean, the, the, the guy who has the most career sacks on the Cowboys right now, cornerback Orlando Scandrick, who was nine and a half. So, wow. A lot of, yes, so a lot of unproven pass rushers on the Cowboys. Uh, with that being said, in 2014, you know, when they went 12-4 and four and won the division, Jeremy Mincy and George Selby were their defensive end stalwart. So Rod Marinelli could work some magic, but... Uh, but right now, it's hard to say. You know, they, they they don't even have a proven guy. They don't have a guy with double digit career stacks. So, so I, I don't think Giants are probably too concerned that someone's going to blow up because they, they, there isn't a Randy Gregory or a stud rookie uh, coming out of the Cowboys locker room. Gotcha, because Gregory gave uh, gave Flowers a hard time last year, and I think he actually got hurt in week one, uh, if I remember correctly, against Flowers. Uh, but he was kind of holding his own against Flowers. But that's, that's where the angst is for the Giants right now, and, and I think part of it comes from week three in the preseason when they went against the Jets. The Jets just loaded up with Muhammad Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson and went after the tackles and went after the tight ends on the Giants. Uh, and really just blew up uh, seemingly every play. So uh, that's what I was trying to, I was curious about is that sometimes when you match up against one team, you may see some deficiencies that may not necessarily show up uh, in the game that counts for real. So 
maybe Giants fans need to take a little bit of a breath as far as their uh, their edge rush, you know, the the edge protection against the Cowboys. But like you said, Drew, who knows at this point. Uh, maybe maybe the the talent of the Giants matches up well for these no name guys, quote unquote, for the for the Cowboys, and they're able to kind of wreck things uh, early on in the game. Yeah, and I mean the pass rush was Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones. They all acknowledged you know improving the pass rush. The Cowboys had 28 sacks in 2014 when when they went 12 and four, 31 last year. You know, obviously they ranked near the bottom and and. That's why they, they were linked heavily to Vernon, and uh, as we all know, he's with the Giants. So, uh, and the, the thought was going in the draft, they would use one of those first two picks on the defensive end, and if Ogba dropped to them in the second round, he went a pick or two before they picked, and they ended up going with Jalen Smith, they would have taken him. But uh, they were not able to get – you know, kind of any pass rush help via free agency or the draft. So, uh, so they're really counting on Rod Marinelli to work some miracles with these guys. And and I guess from a Cowboys perspective, uh, did, did they miss out big time on Vernon, or do you feel like the Giants might have overpaid? Well, I think the Giants had to overpay a little bit for Vernon because if you're talking sack production, you know, he wasn't a guy who, who had 20 sacks that jumped off the page, but. Uh, I think Vernon has been everything as advertised uh, so far this preseason. He's changed the complexion of the Giants' defensive front. Uh, I, I don't know if it's coming to New York, coming to a new team, feeling as if he needs to live up to a contract. He says no, but what he's done in the preseason, he's gone 100% all the time, uh, and I think he, he's jumped off the page. You know, it, it's funny, he, he would get... He would make his move, he'd get into the backfield, and then you could almost see him hold up a little bit that he wasn't going to go try to, you know, get a money shot on on a quarterback in the preseason. That wasn't what it was about for him, but it was about getting, using his speed and getting there and getting that technique down. Um, you know, it's interesting because Jason Pierre-Paul, obviously he did not play against the Cowboys uh, last year in Dallas. Um, and if I remember correctly, I don't think he played against them in, in uh, MetLife either. But if he was, he was playing essentially with one hand uh, after his fireworks accident. The combination of Vernon and, and JPP has been fun to watch since the spring and the way they've developed. Uh, an interesting story about Vernon, I'll tell you, and it, it kind of spread throughout now. Uh, before the first practice of training camp, because of, as I mentioned earlier, the Giants and their injury bugaboo under the past regime of Tom Coughlin and, and Jerry Palmieri and the old strength and conditioning staff, Vernon was outside running with a trainer. And all the reporters, all of us who are standing there, immediately catches your eye and you don't think, why is he running? You think, what's wrong with him? What happened? How did he hurt himself? Uh, and as it turned out, Olivier Vernon, one of his uh, part of his routine is to run separately, whether it's during practice, after practice, to kind of get and build his stamina and his endurance up. Uh, and it sounds simple, and it sounds like, oh, okay, but it made an impact. And wouldn't you know it, within three, four, five days, now during practice, during a special team session, 
you can look over to a side field and Jason Pierre-Paul and Olivier Vernon are running together on a side field during practice. And I think Vernon's presence not only helps on the field as far as performance, but what he's been able to do to kind of give that He's set that bar now for Jason Pierre-Paul, who's back with a one-year deal for $10 million. You know, and, and he sees what Vernon got to come to the Giants. He encouraged Vernon to come to the Giants. They had a, on the eve of the opening of free agency, Jason Pierre-Paul talked to Olivier Vernon on the phone and talked about coming to New York uh, not necessarily selling him on signing with the Giants, but telling him about the opportunities that were here and what the franchise was all about. Uh, and I think if he was not the guy who convinced Olivier Vernon, he certainly didn't hurt Vernon's chances with signing with the Giants. $85 million certainly helped. Uh, but I do think that when it comes down to uh, Vernon, it's going to be very interesting to see him go up against Tyron Smith. I mean, that is going to be the matchup that everyone is watching, I think. As much as we're going to watch Dez and we're going to watch OBJ and we want to see how Dak and, and Eli perform, I think the one spot that could change the complexion of this game is Olivier Vernon on Tyron Smith. Yeah, well, and Vernon has beat Smith before. When, when he was with the Dolphins, he had beat Tyron Smith, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think that that left end, or excuse me, right end, left tackle battles, you know, one of the most intriguing. And it'll also be interesting how JPP does against Doug Free, the veteran right tackle the Cowboys have. So, uh, so I definitely think the pass rush battles are, are going to, you know, certainly be something to watch. And from the Cowboys' perspective, you know, Sam JPP, a guy, uh, the Giants. Fans, you know, should recognize is Orlando Skandrick. You know, the, the Cowboys cornerback missed all of last season with a knee injury, and, and he was one of their best defensive players in 2014. And they sorely missed him in the secondary last year. So I think he, you know, is their best cornerback. He's, you know, uh, got the most potential to have some interceptions. So, you know, the, the Giants get JPP back. Uh, the Cowboys get Orlando Skandrick back. So each team will have, you know, some impact players uh, on the defensive end returning. Do you think that Skandrick will follow uh, Beckham, or does it look like the Cowboys, does Marinelli like to uh, to kind of stay true and, and just, just play side to side? Uh, you know, he goes back and forth. I wouldn't be surprised if they stick him on uh, – you know, Beckham, but, uh, you, you know, obviously everyone remembers the Brandon Carr catch. And, right. And uh, so, but with that being said, I, the, the Cowboys have actually, you know, held Beckham somewhat in check, uh, you know, the, since that game. I think he had four or five catches in each of the games last year without a touchdown. But, you know, he's certainly a threat, and, you know, and that's something the Cowboys fans will be watching and see how the, they kind of go against. Beckham as well as Victor Cruz and, and how they match up their cornerbacks because the secondary is kind of the strength of the defense right now. Or you know, It's an experienced group. It's got a lot of talent when you look at Skandrick coming back, uh, their first-round pick from last year. Byron Jones is you know, going to play safety full-time. Barry Church has been a star in this league for the last few years. And then Mo Claiborne and Brandon Carr have 
you know, obviously had right. their ups and downs with the Cowboys, but they do feel good about the secondary right now. And, uh, and you know, it should be interesting to see, you know, if the Cowboys can generate some sort of pass rush and get some pressure on Eli, then, you know, the secondary could flourish. But if there's no pass rush, it's hard to expect the secondary to really – uh, keep up with some of those receivers. I'll give you another one. What, one more receiver to watch, and I know you. Everybody down in Dallas is familiar with him from the uh, from from his days in college. But Sterling Shepard from Oklahoma, uh, second round pick. I, I think the Giants have played some games this summer. I think they've kept purposely uh, Shepard under wraps. Uh, I think they've they know what he can do. And uh, there's been obviously there were hype was a lot of hype in the spring and the beginning of training camp. But if you look at preseason games, Shepard made one spectacular catch against the Jet, uh, against the Dolphins in Week One, and they've kind of kept them under wraps. So there's going to be a lot of attention on Beckham and Cruz. I do think the the difference maker for the Giants in the passing game could end up being Sterling Shepard. He's a great route runner, uh, and I think there is still a little bit of a mystery to see how the Giants will employ him. Uh, Eli and Sterling Shepard have been very close from the day that, that Shepard walked into the facility. Eli was still was there, kind of greeted him in the cafeteria. Uh, even when veterans didn't have to be in the building, it was just for rookie minicamp. Uh, and Eli kind of introduced himself to Sterling Shepard. And during training camp, we had, I'd say, at least one instance in every practice where Eli Manning and Sterling Shepard kind of had their arm, you know, arms on each other's shoulder pads, talking about plays, uh, what they were going to run, what may not have been run correctly, uh, but it was all positive. So the, the, there's a huge chance that the Giants have a major upgrade uh, at that wide receiver two position uh, with Reuben Randall uh, now gone and replaced by Sterling Shepard. So uh, I know there are a lot of fans in Dallas who are familiar with Shepard from right. his days in Oklahoma. Uh, I I would keep an eye on him. He's going to have a big contingent of family and friends uh, there at AT and T on Sunday. I, I think Shepard is poised for a big game. Yeah, well, and that, that's a great name to watch because you know Mo. Mo I, the thing that just jumped out when you mentioned him was Mo Claiborne. You know, the former top ten pick who hasn't really lived up to expectations, but he's you know stereotypical training camp line. He's having the best training camp of his career and, he, and he's always been kind of a guy who's a training camp hero if you will who kind of flashes in the preseason and everyone thinks hey this might be his year and uh, I would expect that to be a matchup uh, to, to watch multiple times on Sunday Claiborne and Sterling Shepard and uh, from, from a Cowboys perspective you know kind of sticking to their number two everyone knows Dez everyone knows Whitten Terrence Williams is a guy who hasn't really who had a chance to really step up, and it was kind of a catch-22 last year because Dez goes down, and of course then Tony goes down, and Terrence, you know, it's hard to blame him for not, you know, kind of establishing himself as as a better number one option with when you got Brandon Weed and Matt Castle thrown to you. So, uh, so it, I, I'm very interested to see how he kind of comes back and this first game should be uh, a telling sign of you know what may or may not come from them this season gotcha well i mean this has been this has been awesome i, I really appreciate 
you know, this, this crossover episode and, and Drew and I, uh, you know, we get to do it twice this year. So that's, that's something that I think, uh, with, with our growing audiences, hopefully the fans enjoy it. Uh, again, this is Art Stapleton for Locked On Giants and Drew Davison uh, for Locked On Cowboys. I figured we would finish up maybe by picking one player that that needs to have a big game on on Sunday. You know, maybe not even maybe a little off the beaten path and not uh, not one of the big names. We know the big names on these two teams. I'm just curious what you know if you had one player that you said you know what if the if the Cowboys win this guy's going to have a good game. Who would that be? Well, I I, I would say. Tyrone Crawford, their defensive tackle, the three technique. I, I mentioned him earlier. He's kind of I, I, not really a household name, even in Dallas. But you know, he, he's certainly getting paid. He's at full strength, and and if the Cowboys are going to be successful, they have to get some pressure on the quarterback. And Tyrone Crawford gives them that potential, uh, kind of as an interior rusher. And uh, they're going to have to get some pressure on Eli to slow down that. Yeah, I would go. I think that's a great pick. I'd go on the on the Giants' offensive line, but I'd go right to left tackle and and say Eric Flowers. His second year, fifteen games last year, showed a lot of toughness, but his technique was was lacking at times. Whether it was from his, his struggles uh, just to get up to game speed or his struggles to stay healthy. Uh, I think Flowers is going to have a lot of eyes on him, and even though he's not going to be tested necessarily uh, by one of the elite pass rushers, as we've touched on, uh, Flowers Flowers needs to have a good game for the Giants, not just in in the pa- in pass pro, but also in the run game. He needs to be a force. Uh, that was supposed to be his strength coming into the season. So I think if the Giants can get some sort of uh, run game going that left side has an opportunity to be a strength for their offensive line with Justin Pugh at left guard and Weston Richburg at center so Flowers is the one guy I think uh, you know he's committed a couple penalties that have that have hurt the Giants I think Flowers would be the guy uh, that if the Giants win that you're going to look back on and say you know what Flowers had a good game uh, and he was not exploited by the Cowboys so that about wraps it up here for uh, for our crossover episode. Again, uh, Drew and I want we need you. We need your support. Go out to uh, Audio Boom, iTunes, Google Play. Make sure you you subscribe to Locked On Giants and Locked On Cowboys, the Locked On Podcast Network. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the show, Drew. Thanks for everything, and uh, I'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, thank you, Art. It was enjoyable. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst list.